I really got the sense that if I put the effort in, that would draw more out of you to give more back to me. It was kind of help you, help me, help you, help me, which I felt was, that was really great. It was really terrific. And you definitely responded to what I was doing and what my needs were. And so you met all of my needs because of that. You didn't just have your set formula that you go along with. So I really appreciated that. And I think I got a lot out of that because of your ability to bounce off me personally and, and my journey. Welcome to the Career Success Coach Podcast. If you're an accomplished professional ready to attract ideal opportunities, level up your career growth and create a powerful presence in your industry, you're in the right space. I'm your host, Sarah Macris, and I'm passionate about helping executives and business professionals become visible in their space, establish themselves as a leading authority and create their dream opportunities. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Career Success Coach podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Macris, and today I have with me a former client, Kathy Van Voort. Kathy has a fantastic career, is incredibly inspiring, and I know you'll love this episode today. Kathy is driven by a passion for deep tech and is committed to advocating for Australia's technological capabilities to amplify our nation's competitive advantage. As a fellow of the Governance Institute of Australia, member of the Australian Institute of Company Directors and Senior Executive MBA, Kathy has significant experience as a governance and risk professional, including as founder, executive, non-executive director and company secretary. She also brings 20 years senior leadership and commercial experience across a range of industries, including space, tech startups, co-working, health, regulation, and tourism. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Sarah. Lovely to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself before um, we get into it. So me, I have a very eclectic career background. I grew up in a semi-rural area on a hobby farm and I'm now working in the space sector, little old me. Space sector, that's amazing. Wow. That's a very new industry, isn't it? Uh, Actually, in Australia, it's not so new. We've uh, been involved in the space sector with international partnerships since the dawn of uh, space for us. So everyone will have seen the movie The Dish Australia has uh, quite a long um, space heritage working with NASA on those kinds of programs. What a fascinating area. Had you always sort of thought that that might be where you would like to go? Well, actually, now that you say that, I had always wanted to be Ripley on (laughs) Aliens movie. But no, uh, not as a career. I never thought that it would be possible for me to be in that sector. I always thought that it was an American NASA type thing and that I would never be I'm not in the STEM field, so I never thought that I'd be able to play in that arena. Wow, it must be an incredibly exciting industry, especially with so many new players in the market as well, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. They call it new space, which is a shift in paradigm on the way that the space industry is operating. So previously it was the domain of the likes of NASA and other major space agencies, whereas now because technology is developing so quickly and the industry needs to keep up with that technological advancement, NASA and the other space agencies are now calling on industry, so commercial players, to advance the sector and commercialise the sector. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting space to be in. Let's go back then to before you were in the space industry and thinking about, I suppose, before we started working together, 
Tell us about sort of where you were at career-wise. I had been working for a number of years, two years, at a co-working provider and my bailiwick is business operations. And so part of my remit was to implement technology in our co-working spaces so that we could understand how the spaces were being used, how the meeting rooms were being used, our desk allocations, all of that kind of thing. And we had engaged a, a prop tech partner to assist us with that, but the project had completely failed. I think the reason why it had failed is that the supplier didn't know what we needed. That was a startup, so they were quite new to it and they didn't know how to tell us what we needed and we didn't know what we needed either, so uh, we couldn't tell them what we wanted. So the, the project kind of didn't really go anywhere. In November 2019, I had seen there was a women in technology conference on in Brisbane and one of the guest speakers was PropTech, talking about PropTech. So I, I lobbied my CEO to be able to travel up to Brisbane for that, which he enabled me to do and uh, spent two days at that women in tech conference. The guest speaker on the first day was Dr. Sue Kay, who at the time was the Director of Cyber Physical Systems at CSIRO's Data 61 Centre, and she completely blew me away around robotics and Australia's robotic capabilities. And then the guest speaker on the second day was Dr. Karen Andrews, who was then the Minister for Science and Innovation, and she told us that we hadn't a space agency and I did not realise that Australia had a space agency. So that completely blew my mind and she was talking about the growth of the space sector in Australia. So I came back from that conference really thinking, you know what, I'm not quite sure whether co-working is really what I want to do because these other topics really fascinated me uh, and I was really quite excited by them. That was at the end of 2019. And then uh, co-working and COVID don't mix. And so by March 2020, I had been made redundant. My CEO had been over in Singapore in January and he had seen the co-working sector and the impacts that COVID had had on the co-working sector over there. He came back to Australia and he told us, the executive team, you know, as soon as we get that first case into Australia, we have to do some drastic things to keep this company afloat. So I was the first person to be made redundant. The week after me, there were four or five others from the back office that were made redundant. The week after that, 25 of our hospitality team were made redundant. And the week after that, JobKeeper came into play. <laughs> so unfortunately, uh, my CEO had absolutely done the right thing to protect the business, but I didn't realise that the government was going to be coming to the party with JobKeeper. And because JobKeeper was quite strict, we couldn't backtrack on any of that. That was at the time that I met you. So after November, I had thought that I should probably start thinking about what my career was going to be next after co-working, thinking that it probably would be at the end of 2020 that I might make that move. And so I had engaged you with the intention of trying to work out what that manoeuvre should be. And I can remember calling you the day before our first appointment saying, Sarah, this thing's just happened. I've just been made redundant. And so if you don't mind, can we just completely shift our first conversation to being how I deal with that situation? That's right. I remember that. Yeah. So the assistance you gave me then was amazing. Thank you so much. I was able to control the narrative around that and to make it a a positive exit rather than a what could have been a, a really disastrous exit for me. So thank you. Pleasure. Yes, it's a really important point, actually, because if you can get in front of the story, it's much more beneficial for you. Absolutely. And so at that stage, you were sort of thinking, well, okay, this is a great, I suppose, opportunity to pause 
as well. Yes. Because you weren't Well, really it wasn't an opportunity. Massive, it was a forced pause, forced. but yes. <laughs> you weren't in a massive rush to find another role where you, you were sort of taking your time to think about. Absolutely. I really wanted to make sure that my next move was something that I wanted. I had, if you backtrack a, a number of years on my career, I had spent nine years at uh, Entertainment Publications, which is a dining activities and accommodation guide. And I had grown through that organisation from a sales account executive right through to running a new division, an internal startup within that organisation, which was an online accommodation booking engine, which at the time was cutting edge, was back when What If was new to the market and everyone was still talking about the fact that no one's going to buy anything on the internet. I don't know why they're bothering. That uh, experience in that organisation had been amazing, but I was at a point where there was no further growth that I could have in my career there. Um, and so I figured that it was as time to make a move. And I was approached by a colleague of mine to jump into a startup, a tech startup with him um, as an operations person, him being the tech person. So uh, I did that. I jumped off the cliff and set up my own tech startup. As often happens in startup land, a couple of years later, I found myself without a job anymore. It kind of went pear-shaped. Um, so that was good learnings, but I needed to find something to keep food on the table. So found myself at APRA, the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, which was like a really sideways step for me. And I actually started there in the mailroom because I was just desperate to have a, a job. And three months later, there was a role that came up to uh, manage their governance and secretariat team in Melbourne. So I did that and I was there for five years in the end wow. uh, at the regulation agency. But it wasn't really what I loved. What I really loved was that, you know, the internal startup within uh, entertainment publications absolutely lit my fire. Being in the startup realm, it was really stressful and financially burdensome, basically paying your own way. I loved that arena as well. So whilst I enjoyed the governance side of the Health Practitioner Regulation Agency, it really, really wasn't ringing my bells. And so I had been trying to find another role during that period and I wasn't having much success breaking through. I decided I needed to do something pretty drastic. And so I decided to go back to school and decided to do a senior executive MBA program with Melbourne Business School, which provided me with a platform then to be able to pitch to the Hub Australia co-working role. It was a great move to have made at that time. So I had kind of been taking the opportunities as they rolled in front of me for my whole career. And once I had this forced pause uh, at the start of 2020, I decided that I really needed to take control of my career and make sure that the next step was very targeted and purposeful. Fantastic. So we worked together with the Career Accelerator coaching and what three areas of our working together have made the biggest impact? I would say there's a, a few different areas that really were quite new to me and a little bit confronting. I had to dig deep to find the answers. The first one, which was the most confronting, was the exercise where I had to go back to past colleagues and friends and ask them the keywords that they would think about me. That was really hard to do mainly for fear of what was going to come out of it or actually for fear that they would say, no, I'm not going to do it. Right. 
which would speak louder than words, Especially basically. You were probably feeling vulnerable at that time too. I was, yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, just having been made redundant, uh, yeah, you feel like you've been put on the scrap heap. Most people have at least once in their career been made redundant. Correct. Yeah, it's... Uh, but you still feel that way, I know. It's difficult to get over that feeling that uh, you were the one they chose to not be there anymore, even though you thought you were doing a fabulous job. That was a really tricky thing to do just to get the courage to actually go out to my friends and past colleagues to ask them to tell me what they thought of me. So that was really confronting. When I got the information back, actually it resonated with me. So there weren't any surprises. I was a little bit concerned also that there would be some surprises in there, but there weren't any, which was great. And in fact, some of the things that came back surprised me because I thought that of myself, but I didn't think that other people thought that of me. So um, it was nice to know that my self image was actually an accurate and public image as well. The second thing that I thought was really helpful whilst I struggled with it was finding other people that I wanted to emulate. I'm not one to go starry-eyed at other people. I see people as human and it doesn't matter whether you're wearing the king's crown or whether you're the janitor in a school or whatever you might be. I feel that every person has value and is contributing to society. And in fact, the person who's doing the dull job is actually probably contributing to society in a much more meaningful, purposeful way than the person who's wearing the shiny, bejazzled crown. So I found that quite tricky because most of the people that are on the internet are the people who are the ones <laughs> touting their bedazzlement uh, and I didn't want to be like that. But I kind of flipped what you were saying, I, I manipulated what you were saying and thought, well, okay, let's look at the people that I can see, so the people that are visible through the internet and pick out the pieces of those people that I most resonate with. So that was a good exercise because I've not done that before because I, I don't have any interest in that, being a fan of people. So that was an interesting exercise for me, but it also taught me about the things that I don't want to be doing. Yes, <laughs> so, which is equally important. Absolutely. So that was good. That was a good exercise. And then the other thing that I found really helpful was the idea of writing about myself and actually articulating my thoughts and creating that narrative through my history and through my story to kind of bring it together. And that really helped me to see that my journey has been for a reason and I don't quite know what that reason is yet and I'm still working on the journey, but it is a journey nonetheless. It's not just a series of blobs or blips in my history. That was very helpful in then crafting the narrative for finding a new job and explaining myself and explaining where I was headed to potential employers and other people in my network. Yeah, that's, that's a really important point because that a lot of people make the mistake of sort of networking or having those discussions before actually really identifying how they're presenting themselves to the right people. So, you know, have they got their professional story down pat? Can they articulate the value they can bring an organisation? And all of those ducks in a row, those sort of foundations of your brand are really important to get right before you start sort of making the right connections with people. 
That's right. Actually, you've just reminded me as well. The other thing that was really valuable for me was about the brand piece. So I can remember one of the first things that you said to me was, you know, with my LinkedIn profile, with my resume, with any piece of information about myself, take out all the stuff that's irrelevant to the brand that you want to create for the future. And that was like me going, yeah, but hang on a minute. I've done all this amazing stuff. I've been in the tourism industry. I've been in co-working. I've been in health regulation. I've done all these fabulous things. And you said, no, you want to be in deep tech. Just talk about the stuff that relates to deep tech. And so I thought that was really valuable as well. And I think that the, the further I go through my career, the more credible my past becomes And in particular, the more credible my recent past becomes. And that means that I can let go of the baggage from the distant, ancient past. And I think the other thing about that is when you do talk about those new things, you've got those experiences that you can draw from as stories that sort of lead you into the learnings that you've got today. I love that. And the other thing that you did was you did create content a lot, which was great around your learning as you learned more and more of the space you wanted to be in? I was uh, stuck in lockdown without a job and everyone else was really busy doing Zoom calls. So I needed to keep myself busy. So I started a website for myself and, yeah, started writing a few articles about deep tech because I hadn't at that stage had any experience in deep tech. I just knew that I was really interested in it and so started writing pieces about First of all, my career and how it all fits together, but also a couple of pieces about deep tech and how I see the future of deep tech in Australia. I'd started doing quite a bit of research around the robotics industry in particular. I I started stalking Dr. Sue Kay, who was the guest speaker at the conference that I mentioned. Actually, I heard her on a podcast. She was talking about setting up the Robotics Australia group and that she was just about to incorporate or she's working out how to incorporate it. So I thought, fantastic, I've got governance experience. So I pinged her by email and two weeks later I had been appointed company secretary of the Robotics Australia group. So that was really my first step into that deep tech sector using my governance experience to be able to get a foot in that door. And that's been fabulous. That's really opened doors for me and provided me with kudos, I guess, to be able to step into other doors. I remember that and that was fantastic because it was really sort of like you, all your energy that had been going towards this new area that you wanted to be working in. It was like a little sign, yes, you're, in the, you're going in the right direction. Yes, here you go again. Um, and the other thing about your content that you were producing, which I loved, a lot of people get nervous about creating content because they worry, you know, oh, I'm not the expert or be feeling like I'm a bit of a fraud or whatever it is that people get worried about with content. But often the thought leadership journey is around sharing as you learn and what you see. And that's what makes it so powerful. And that's what I loved with your content. Yeah. So I had exactly those fears, I have to say. When you suggested that I start blogging, I was like, oh, you've got to be kidding. I am not a thought leader. So my modus operandi was to not follow all of the trending topics of conversation, I decided to write something that was uniquely a combination of me. I'm a motorcyclist and so I wrote one article about how I perceive governance and motorcycling being actually symbiotic 
in terms of, you know, you have to keep your head up, you have to keep your eyes forward, you have to maintain your balance, you can't panic, all of those kinds of things which actually augur well for a steady governance professional. So I, I wrote about things that actually no one else knows about because they're just uniquely me. And actually my biggest fear was that people would read the articles and just not really be interested, but I was like, that is better than them reading it and going, you're a fraud, lady. (laughs) We're often our harshest critics though, aren't we? (laughs) Definitely. I had uh, quite a number of people that have read them and actually quite enjoyed them. So, And I think it's because I'm just writing about things that are really wacky. Who would have thunk that governance and motorcycling actually go in the same breath? I think uh, for any of your clients that are thinking of creating content, I definitely think just bring something that's uniquely you to that story. Um, and we've got learnings and lessons everywhere, you know, from our life. Absolutely. I suppose, were there any hesitations or reasons that you had for maybe not wanting to start our work together, not working with me? Was there anything that was in your head thinking, oh? No, absolutely not. I had actually gone through a couple of processes with other career development people. So having gone through the Senior Executive MBA program at Melbourne Business School, I had worked with someone during that process And he made me look inside, be really introspective uh, and critical about where I'm at and where I'm heading, but also loving. So critical in the sense that you've got to shine a spotlight on it in order to recognise it, but loving in terms of that's okay, let's work with that now now that we know that information. And then coming out of the Senior Executive MBA program, I also worked with a career coach. And so she helped me to realise that I have a very eclectic career background. I'm not going to find a job the way that other people find a job. Uh, It's going to require that I network. And I am simply not going to be able to achieve what I want to achieve unless I do that and do it really purposefully and actively. And so that was good to know because she was right. When I came to you, the reason why I selected you was, first of all, you had been recommended by a colleague of mine who'd worked with you in the past, but also around that personal branding. I thought that was a really important piece for me. I kind of had the other bits already, but I really wanted to understand about the personal brand. And I knew, having gone through those other processes, that if you're going to have success with a personal coach of any kind, you have to bear your soul to yourself. You can't expect that that person will bring you the answers. You actually need to dig for the answers yourself. And so, yeah, I was absolutely prepared to do that. I think that's why you've had so much success, you know, because you take action, you absolutely take 100% responsibility for your career, for the decisions you make. And I know that's why you've been as successful as you are and will continue to be. I hope so. (laughs) What was your favourite part about working with me? Oh, look, I think that I really enjoyed how you bounced off what I was doing. And so I really got the sense that if I put the effort in, that would draw more out of you to give more back to me. It was kind of help you, help me, help you, help me, which I felt was, that was really great. That was really terrific. And you definitely responded to what I was doing and what my needs were. And so you met all of my needs because of that, you didn't just have your set formula that you go 
along with. So fantastic. I really appreciated that. And I think I got a lot out of that because of your ability to bounce off me personally and, and my journey. Thank you. And so finally, I suppose, who would you recommend to do this work and why? To work with you, I would absolutely recommend anybody who is looking for something more from their career. And as you said before, looking to take ownership and control of their career. If you're in a position where you would like to be recognised more or you would like to be rewarded or provided more responsibility or just move into a different area of career trajectory, absolutely, Sarah's your gal. Being able to really look at why it is that you're wanting those additional things and understand where you're coming from will assist you in taking the steps that you need to take to be able to get where you're needing to get to ultimately. And it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of effort that it takes both on your part and Sarah's part to help you along that journey. But it's absolutely well worth the trials to get there. Thanks, Kathy. So tell us, you are about to embark on a new journey. So you've spent the last year or so with Space Australia. Yes, so I started at the Australian Space Agency in October 2021. I think I've already mentioned I don't come from a STEM background. I'm not an engineer. Uh, I don't have a science background. I don't have a research background at all, but I just am really fascinated by translating research and deep tech into commercial products for the benefit of either consumers or the world, the climate, the our well-being. I very much needed to leverage the skills that I do have, which is in business operations, to be able to pivot into a deep tech sector career. And so I was on the lookout for operational roles in deep tech and I saw a role come up at the Australian Space Agency. Oh my God, Australia has a space agency for a director of operations. And it was based in Adelaide and it was overseeing all of the business operations of the agency, including overseeing the Australian Space Discovery Centre, which is based in Adelaide. And I was like, hell yeah, I'll relocate to Adelaide for that role. No problem at all. So it was a 12-month maternity leave backfill role. Unfortunately, the lady that was on maternity leave returned in March. So I only had six months uh, within that role. But the head of agency pivoted me to uh, director of corporate strategy in March 2022, and my role was extended for an additional six months. So I was in that uh, director of corporate strategy role for 12 months. It was a non-ongoing role, and the changing government, the wasteful spending review, uh, all of that kind of impacted on the agency's ability to look forward and work out how it was going to position itself for the future. So uh, my role was not extended again. I'm actually pretty pleased about that. Whilst I, I loved my time at the Australian Space Agency, it was awesome to be in the box seats of the Australian space sector through that experience. I was a public servant and I now know that actually I'm not a very good public <laughs> servant. I probably should not ever try and be a public servant ever again. I'm not patient enough. I definitely uh, work better in a startup environment. So it was kind of like a forced, come on, Kath, get on with your career again, move. So that was good. And I've bounced from that and am now working with a company called Lunar Outpost Oceania. 
they are part of a consortium who has won a grant to develop a prototype rover to go to the moon. Wow, how exciting, my goodness. Amazing. <laughs> so again, I'm Senior Operations Manager. I'm in an operational role. I'll be making sure that the, everything is plugged in, the power's on, there's tea in the tea <laughs> chest, you know, there's the finances are sorted and everything's running so that the folks that are the technical folks can just get on with the job with that project. So Fantastic. that sounds incredibly exciting. Super excited. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be people on this call today who will, you know, really want to connect with you and follow you on your journey, follow you on potentially LinkedIn. Is that the best place to follow you on? LinkedIn, definitely. Yes. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. And I use LinkedIn as a very active networking tool. If anyone wants to know about that, there's an article on my blog about uh, networking and how to make it work for you. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Kathy. It's been an absolute pleasure, just like it was working with you. So I'm loving watching your career. It's just been wonderful. And um, yeah, reach out to Kathy if you've watched the episode. Tell her that you've heard the episode. And don't forget to subscribe and write a review as well. All right. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you've learned something from this episode that's going to help you make actionable changes in the way you approach your career. If you liked today's episode, make sure to rate, review and share this with a friend. And as always, see you next time.